I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. And if you're in no contact, focused on personal growth, my creative healing course is filled with hours of exclusive content. Available now at AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And I'm Coach Victoria. And today we're going to be talking about dealing with conflict in relationships. Well, whenever you have two people, there's going to be a conflict. Yes, there is. At some point, it's going to happen no matter who you are. It's normal. We all have different opinions. We all have different moods. Sometimes we're tired. Sometimes we're not feeling well. And all of those things can impact us and our opinions, right? We all have sure. different beliefs. Absolutely. Yeah. And so a lot of times a relationship can get into an unhealthy pattern where you continue to act in a certain way that is destructive for the relationship. And you have to be aware of that and you, not, you need to know strategies and skills to minimize those things, otherwise if the relationship becomes too negative or hostile, it's just going to wind up ending. Yeah. And people who have a decent relationship can get by conflict, and that's important. And there are many people who are terrified that any conflict means the end of the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because they may have felt a lot of abandonment when absolutely. they were growing up, yeah. you know, so now they're afraid of abandonment right. again. Um, so we're going to talk about conflict resolution today and Coach Victoria did some research and we're going to be just talking about it and exploring some ideas. Alright, so this presentation is inspired by Amanda White uh, who I found on Instagram and her handle is Therapy for Women but really all of her content is therapy for anybody so I would uh, take a look at her mm -hmm. Instagram. Uh, but first I'm going to start out by talking about some unhealthy conflict patterns and then some healthy ones. Mm -hmm. So the first one on the unhealthy list is passive aggression. So this can happen if you are unaware of your anger or you might be aware of your anger and not be willing to deal with it directly mm -hmm. or be afraid of the conflict and so you use indirect ways of getting that anger out and getting that hostility across. Can you give us an example of passive aggressor? Oh yes, if anybody has ever had roommates, they know exactly <laughs> what passive aggressive <laughs> behavior is like. Okay. So this could look like leaving sticky notes around an apartment. Uh, this could look like snide comments uh, or uh, sarcasm even. Dirty looks. Yes. Yeah, dirty looks, mm -hmm. yeah. I remember uh, being like that with my stepdad growing up because he was pretty volatile, right? Mm -hmm. And I was little, so you, you're not going to stand up to a six-foot guy who's like 240 pounds and he looks like he should be in the mafia. And grumpy. <laughs> yeah, right? So, um, you know, there's only so much you're going to do without risking your physical safety. So to get any anger up, you have to go passive-aggressive. Mm -hmm. You yeah. get the dirty looks. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you want me to do this? I'll do that in about an hour. Mm, yeah. Or, or yeah, or I'm going to push my limits. Yeah, I'm going to push my <laughs> limits, yeah. So, 
if you grew up in a house where you couldn't feel safe to express yourself or uh, your needs or stand up for yourself, you may do some of these things, yes. mm -hmm. right? Right, and it's much better to deal with the conflict in more direct ways, which we'll talk about uh, soon. I would think that we learn a lot of this behavior from how our parents Absolutely. were. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so you see how they handled conflict, and I think maybe you kind of internalize those patterns. I think that's mm -hmm. true. Right? Yeah. Margaret, what about in your family growing up? Did you see a lot of hostility or arguing? Um, I think it was reasonably healthy, but my parents could go at it very well. Both of them were quite articulate, um, and they would lay each other out, yeah, real good. Um, and then both of them would sulk for an hour or two, and then the next thing you know, they'd be setting the table together. I don't know that they ever discussed the conflicts, but they got their feelings out anyway and did manage to reconnect fairly shortly. I learned some very good salty language in the process, too. <laughs> As did I. Was especially, especially adept at using big words in with the bad ones. Yeah. A, an, a, a, quite a talent. Yeah. But it certainly didn't leave me thinking that a conflict was the end of the world. You know? Um, you're going to have them. It's part of living. Yeah. I saw a lot of volatility growing up. Oh, I'm up. sure you did. And so... You had a bipolar guy there. Yeah. I mean, I remember, like being very little, and like recording my parents' arguments. Good boy. I wonder if I have those tapes somewhere. I might. Whoa, I'll that would to... be good. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really interesting. I'm going to have to see if I can find them. Hmm. Wow, that would be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and say, how would I see it now? Mm -hmm. But how awful it must have been for me as a kid. Yeah. Oh, it's terrifying for kids. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes as a kid, you can't do much. No. Uh, which leads me to my next one, which is the silent treatment. Oh, yeah. So this is one that those with the avoidant attachment style might be particularly more mm -hmm. prone to. So that's something to be aware of. And this can look as mild as just isolating, or it could be more intentional and withholding your attention from somebody else, uh, not speaking back to them, not responding. Um, so this is another unhealthy pattern because the conflict doesn't get dealt with. It just doesn't matter Narciss Narcissists are pretty good at it too. Mm. And I remember a case I had once where the parents wouldn't speak to each other. The father wouldn't speak to the mother for like three months. Oh, jeez. And now that's considered actual emotional abuse, mm. you know, and it's fairly common, unfortunately. So the next one is also related, and this is pretending that it's fine and shoving it down. Uh, so this could just be blowing things over, pretending like it never happened without apologizing or ever addressing it. Uh, and this could also be a result of from when you know you were a kid and you weren't able to do anything else other than just pretend it was fine. And Margaret, you've actually touched on this before about how these uh, pressured down feelings can result in adult anxiety and depression later absolutely. on. Absolutely, absolutely. If you felt helpless and scared and all of that, it can come up on you at an odd moment, you know? When you get back to the root of it, you could say, oh, I see where that came from. You know, no wonder I feel that way. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the person who does this could also create a walking on eggshells dynamic in the relationship. Yeah. Where they're pretending, you know, none of this conflict exists, but they're also simultaneously afraid of when, you know, the next conflict will happen. So they're trying to be on the best, their best behavior, and that's exhausting. Eggshells are terrible. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, Margaret hates eggshells. I hate eggshells. And I've, I'm not artistic. I've always dreamt of one of those signs, you know, with the red circle, 
with some broken eggshells in it and a line through it, mm -hmm. you know, like no eggshells. Mm -hmm. And I hear it constantly. Do you agree? I'm, I'm walking on eggshells with so-and-so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, especially if that person is like bipolar. Yes, if they're volatile, unpredictable. Yeah. Unpredictable is very difficult in any relationship. Yeah, because yeah. you don't feel safe. No. And you don't want to open up to that person if you don't feel safe. But if you feel, if you find yourself tippy-toeing around and, and walking on eggshells, it's very handy to find a way to tell your partner. So you want to think about these things. These uh, three that we've given so far are really important to think about your relationship because if you were doing them, you know, you want to explore how healthy the relationship is and if you want to get back in it. Mm -hmm. And I think we had some more to, we had one more, right? All right, we had one more, and this one is probably the most blatant out of all of them, and that's just plain aggression. This could be name-calling, uh, this could be fighting, hitting, any kind of violence, uh, and this cannot be stood for whatsoever in a relationship. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to be in any kind of relationship mm -hmm. where your safety is at risk. Yeah. Right. Oh, so, we forgot one, gaslighting. Oh, yes. Gaslighting is pretty heavy duty. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I had somebody recently that it sounded like they were gaslighting their partner mm -hmm. and what they told me in the email coaching and I was like, you should go look this up and see if that's what you were doing. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to talk about gaslighting, Margaret? Because okay. I'm sure you've seen a lot of that. Oh yeah. Um, gaslighting, it's named for a movie that is so old, I remember seeing it as a kid one time when I stood up, stayed up later than I was supposed to. Mm -hmm. And it's about a couple, a very civilized looking couple, um, and the guy is trying to drive the woman crazy. And he has people calling the house and hanging up and banging on the doors when he's not home and all kinds of stuff. And then of course he tells the wife, none of that is really happening and that she's going crazy. So gaslighting means you're going to play with your partner's sense of reality. Okay? If you say that I'm being mean to you, I'm going to say, no, I'm not being mean to you. It's all in your imagination. Um, and no, I didn't tear down the drapes in the living room. I don't know where you got that. Um, you must have done it or somebody else must have come in here and done it. So it's to really play with your partner's reality sense and it's very toxic. Yeah, that's, that's extreme yeah. to, to make that person feel like they're not living in reality. Right. Exactly. And Make them feel like they're yeah. going crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I remember reading not long ago a very good example where um, the husband swore up and down that he had paid the electric bill and the house went dark one night. Um, and the woman called and the electric company said, you haven't paid the bill. And when the guy got home, he was furious and he in the dark. And he said, how dare you believe the electric company instead of me? Because it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. You don't want to get in a situation no, like that. No, you don't. If anybody tries to play with your reality, that's very serious yeah. business. You're not going to find any like no. love or healthy, no. you know, kind of interactions with that. Right. So to move on to healthier patterns that you can adopt in your own life mm -hmm. as to ways you can deal with conflict, the first one I have is assertive communication. So this is something that we've talked about before on the channel about the difference between aggression and assertion. And assertion really has a clear boundary setting property to it that makes it different. And also it has this confidence where you don't have to harm the other person in order to protect yourself. Right. 
dealing with conflicts in a healthy way can also look like taking breaks. Now, I know a lot of relationships do have this rule of, you know, no argument goes past sundown, or you have to resolve a conflict before you go to bed. And this could be something that works for you, um, but at times, there will be conflicts that won't be resolved in one day. No, that's unrealistic, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can keep in mind, okay, maybe we can find a way to self-soothe and, you know, calm ourselves down before bed, but we can put a pin in this conversation and pick it up at a later time. Just remember, I'm going to be nice from now till 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, and I'm going to be mad at you again. <laughs> All right, the next way is compromising, and this could look like negotiating, uh, and also listening to the other's perspective uh, to try to see where you can meet in the middle with the person. Of course, this is a lot more difficult than it sounds because mm -hmm. you really have to empathize with the other person and see their perspective in order to find a resolution that you think that they would also be acceptable of. Yeah, and it's not always easy to do because yeah. not always, yeah, not always, but many times only one person person is going to be empathetic. Right. And the other one's going to be angry and selfish. Right. <laughs> Not easy to navigate at times. Right. And I think our emotions can also get in the way of our ability to compromise. Because there might be a solution that you are logically okay with, uh, but because you're angry at them, you don't want to accept it. And I'm holding my position right. so there. <laughs> exactly. So you want to remember to bring in humility into uh, resolving conflicts as well. Uh, which brings me to my next point, which is sharing how you feel and owning your own perspective. This can be done using I statements. Instead of saying, you're lazy, you don't cook, you don't clean, you can say, well, you know, I'm feeling a little bit neglected in this relationship. And owning your own perspective. Yeah. Uh, and that helps the other person also empathize with you too, because they're not feeling attacked and they're not on the defensive. Rather, they're, you know, wondering, well, what's going on here? You know, so... Yeah, I statements are very, very handy. Because mm -hmm. you can say to somebody, I feel this way when you do that. And it's not like you make me feel, you, you know. You always. Yeah, mm -hmm. always and never are good to get rid of in your vocabulary too. And the I statements are very handy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you do this, I feel this way. Yeah. Right. All right, my next one is disagreeing without demonizing. Mm. And this is important because you don't want somebody's character or your perception of them to be entirely broken just because you have a disagreement on something. Yep. And of course, there are going to be disagreements that you hold very close to your heart and that matter a lot and are, that are very important to you. Uh, but you also want to leave the space to hear another's opinion as well and to remember that they're human as well and their values, their beliefs, their thoughts, they're also based on their experiences as well. So just have a little bit of compassion towards that person uh, and think about the totality of uh, how their experience has shaped their view, rather than just thinking, you know, they disagree with me, so that must mean X, Y, or Z about their character. Yeah, the demonizing thing you have to watch, because a lot of times people will demonize your, like, through your voice, right? Mm -hmm. Like, all of a sudden they'll be like, and you said, and you, and, but you start to do the other person's voice in, like, an insulting way, mm -hmm. right? And so you... you you do that without realizing it, but it's just going to make things worse. Mm -hmm. Alright, so the last one to wrap things up is simply apologizing. And this is a lot harder than it sounds as well, because it does take a lot of vulnerability and a lot of humility, because mm -hmm. nobody wants to be wrong, and nobody wants to be seen as unintelligent or dumb. 
And this also sets the standard for the relationship. If you're able to apologize once, it makes it easier the next time to apologize and say, hey, you know what, I was wrong about that. Yeah. I'm sorry I trusted you. Is that a good <laughs> yeah, <right>. apology? <laughs> I apologize for everything I do today because I can see this morning that you're in a bad mood. <laughs> I'm apologizing in advance. Right. It also matters how you apologize, so make sure you do it genuinely. I'm really sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry I ever met you. Yeah. That's not an apology. <laughs> Um, but ultimately, you have to make the decision uh, whether this argument or this disagreement is going to you know, destroy your relationship to irreparable degrees. So an apology can really repair that connection. Uh, and sometimes you do have to be the, be the bigger person and step down and say, you know what, let's get past this. I was wrong about this, and I own that. And that's okay, and we'll do better next time. And, and that will save you years of grief mm -hmm. if you can apologize. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not easy to do that at times, but you also have to think about the health of the relationship and not always what you need. The relationship has needs as well. And that means both people have to concede and give and do things for the relationship when they may not want to in order to keep that connection going. Not easy to do. No, it's not. Being a grown-up overall is not all that easy. Mm. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> right, and just remember it's never too late to apologize. Never. Sometimes you may have uh, resonated with some of the unhealthy ways to deal with conflict, and if you've let some old conflicts blow over and you haven't discussed them or talked about them, it's never too late to apologize and say, you know that thing that we never talked about? I'm sorry about that. I was in the wrong there. Uh, so that can draw back um, closer connection with the other person as well. Just be conscientious about being genuine. And I would say, real quick, before we end this, mm -hmm. we're not telling you to do a handwritten accountability letter. Right. <laughs> okay? We're talking about if you're currently in a relationship or you're learning skills mm -hmm. to be in a better relationship, I know everybody right now is starting their apology letters. Right, right. Get my pen and paper! <laughs> no, you don't have to do that. No, right. we don't want you to do that because mm -hmm. it oftentimes just makes the situation worse. Mm -hmm. But it's pretty hard to stay mad at somebody who says they're sorry. Yeah. yeah. Right. But we're saying in a relationship, yeah. mm -hmm. for future reference, mm -hmm. if you start to repair things with your ex or you start to date other people and have other relationships, you want to learn these skills and be aware of the mistakes Think about, go over the list, think about the ones that you made, think about the mistakes that you did, think about the ones that you do well, mm -hmm. and try and figure out how you can improve in some areas and continue to do well in the areas that are working for you. Yeah. Right. But if you grew up in a household where for the least little thing you could get in trouble, it all gets harder. Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely, yeah, it's scary stuff. Yeah. All right, good research. Make sure you give a thumbs up on the video for Coach Victoria on her research today. Of course, if you want to get our help personally, just go to my website, askcraig.net. Sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching and I do Skype. And Margaret is available for Skype coaching. If you feel that I can be helpful, please sign up. Just click on Margaret on the top of the website to do that. And of course, Coach Victoria will be training with us and you'll continue to see her in videos and you'll be able to do coaching with her in the future. Right. But that's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And I'm Coach Victoria. 
and we will talk with you soon.